If you have your Bibles, uh, let's open them up to the uh, book of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 58. And you're like, where is Isaiah? Well, it's, go about halfway in your Bible, go a little to the left or to the right, I don't know. Um, you'll find it. Uh, and so if you don't have a Bible and you would love a free one, we would love to gift one to you today. Uh, just just raise your hands and uh, Miss Mac will, will gladly run one to you. Uh, so, so here's where we're at. So we have found ourselves kind of in between teaching series. Last week, we wrapped up a, a series of discussions on the topic of forgiveness, which now we have all mastered it, right? None of us deal with the issue of not being willing to forgive other people. Uh, so good for you. Way to go. Uh, and then uh, here, starting on March 10th, uh, we will be traveling together through the uh, epistle of the first letter of John. And so, and then we might end up going through second and third John too. Just all depends on where we're at. Uh, and, and so I, I am excited about that. I've been kind of chomping at the bit because I love walking verse by verse with you guys through books of the Bible and uh, and First John is by far uh, one of my favorites, and uh, and now that adventure will end up taking us pretty much to the summer. But what I like to do during these Sundays uh, is is come in and in some way talk about the DNA of merge things that that are important to us, and uh, and how we do this is by taking on a question that. Perhaps you've, you've thought of, but you didn't know if you could ask it or you didn't know where to ask it. And, and so we created a series uh, of discussion questions uh, called Great Questions, because what we will see today is a great question. Don't look at me like that, okay? That was, that was mean, too. You're related to Chris, so yeah, I know where he gets it from now. Um, and so over the past, few, uh, over the past year, uh, we've come in from time to time and we, we've asked questions like, like what is baptism and, and what is prayer? And uh, I think the last time we did this, Swine was spending some time talking to us about, you know, what is the next step in life with God? What is my next step when it comes to life uh, at God? And, and this morning what I want to do is I want to talk about one of the pillars we have tried to build merge on over the past 11 or so years. Uh, and this being our great desire to make a la- have a lasting impact in our community uh, by serving the people God allows us to have contact with. And, and, and what I hope is that we would be able to, to see and understand through looking through a, a good portion of Isaiah 58 uh, that, and then traveling through some various verses is, is that our movement in our city, uh, both personally and corporately, is an indication of our health and a reflection of our heart's burning desire to help people who are far from God find life in Christ. Uh, that, that how we serve the city says something about our desire to pursue the things of God in our lives. And, uh, and so uh, that's, that's kind of our aim this morning. That's going to be the question we're going we're gonna to try to answer. Uh, and so let's go. Father, we come to you and we, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you that as you take us into Isaiah 58, that, uh, that it, it can be a hard place for us to settle in. And so we rely on Your Holy Spirit today to to help us lift some heavy weight. We rely on Your Holy Spirit to to reveal parts of ourselves that that need correction. And Father, ultimately, we rely on Your Holy Spirit to help us see more and more 
our ongoing need for Jesus and how our lives look in response to our Father's great love. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. All right, so here's our question. All right, why do we, at Merge, why do we long to serve our city? And it's a good question, and what we're going to try to unpack over the next few minutes uh, is, is that, that more than giving you an answer, what I want to do is show you a motivation. I want to show you through the Word why this matters to us and why at times it's easy for us to ignore uh, this, this aspect of service when it comes to our lives. And so, uh, but let, let's start with an answer and then we'll work our way back. Alan, you ready to go? So, so the question is, why do we long to serve our city? And the answer is simply this, that we desire to help people who are far from God find life in Jesus. Okay? We desire to help people who are far from God find life in Jesus. And now here's the thing. That's not simply a catchphrase that makes us sound more spiritual, right? Uh, the IRS, we don't use it there to show that, hey, we're a legit church, I'm telling you. See, we have a, we have a tagline and a mission statement, and we, we sell T-shirts. So, um, and, and really, this desire here isn't anything different than the other churches in our town. Uh, in fact, uh, within five miles of this building, there are groups of people who have this very same, very genuine desire to help people who are far from God find life in Christ. And, and, and I'm, I'm getting to develop uh, relationships with pastors in this area that represent these different churches. And when you get to speak to them and you get to hear their heart, uh, not only for their people, but, but for this city, it's encouraging. Uh, and it, it challenges me because it's very, same, it's very similar to what we are trying to do here as a body of believers. And so, so we're, we don't hold a monopoly on this, okay? Uh, in fact, I don't even think we hold a monopoly on the way we phrase that. I'm almost certain over the years I've ripped it off from somebody and I used to give them credit for it and now I just take the credit for it. Um, and so we don't hold a monopoly on this and we aren't the only church in town uh, that's, that's keeping it real, you know, or preaching the truth uh, because there are a lot of places around here that are doing that in great ways. Uh, and typically, when the posture of the church is, well, my pastor keeps it real, you know, and he teaches out of the Bible, uh, you know, usually that's not so much uh, words of praise for your church, it's just words of division against, hey, we're better than they are, okay? So that's, that's not what we're saying here. We get to be part of a collective body of believers in this city whose great desire is that those who are far from God, that we would play a role in helping them see their need for Jesus. And so how and why we are motivated in this desire, it's important. Uh, it's important to note, and it's important to know that, uh, that, that somewhere along the lines, and I don't, know, I don't know where it happened. Let's just blame Phil for this. Um, but, but somewhere along the lines in church history, uh, especially modern-day church history, there, there was a shift that occurred and, and the expectation became that the lost and the dying need to see their need for Jesus, but the only way that that happened was to get them inside the walls of a church, uh, to get them inside the building. And so, so what we did, out of a very genuine desire to help meet people and reach people, we, we started to do things around where we said, hey, 
come on inside, come on inside, come on inside. And, and the more we did that, the more dangerous it became uh, because the model of our church became attractional uh, and for some it became spectacle. Uh, we decided to make things that shouldn't be made um, ultimate, ultimate. Uh, and now I'm not, this isn't a rant on, you know, laser shows in churches or um, paying the power team to come in and tear up our phone books, okay? Uh, that, that's, that's not what we're saying. Um, but this shift towards getting people inside the walls of the church has very damaging consequences. Uh, because it affects you and it affects um, the leadership of the church. And because, because when, when the church begins to focus too much on the inside of the building, we take our eyes off the greater needs of the outside of what's going on in our, in our community. We become blinded to the needs of our neighbors and we convince ourselves that what they need isn't someone to walk through a difficult season of life with them, but rather just an invitation to come have a seat today. Uh, and, and that's not, when we read the Bible, that's not the push uh, of the church. That's not the motive driving force of what God is calling us to do. And, and so, so then in a sense what we do is we outsource this service uh, that, that they need other people in the body. Uh, I'm sorry. That's not even a sentence. I don't know what I wrote there. Let's just move right past it. Um, so, so what happens is the church becomes desperate. Okay, and this is this is this is just kind of peeling back the inside of of a heart of a pastor. Um, that when our desire is to just get people inside the building, again, it starts very genuinely. Uh, but but what happens is the church becomes desperate for the consumer, and the consumer becomes desperate to consume. And yet there's never any outflow. There's never any working out your salvation. There's never any heavy lifting about life with God. And you do this long enough and an unhealthy pattern develops. That, that apathy begins to set in. And, and our desire to serve our city is diminished because we think the ultimate goal here is just to get more people in this room. And that's, that's never our heart. That's never our heart. Uh, and so, so after all, the church is a mission to the city she serves, not a country club here to cater to the needs of those on the inside. And, and, and so, so all the while, there's this danger that we gather together and we do some things that look like a healthy body when really we, we, can, we can be walking in unhealthy ways. Uh, I think that's why a majority of what we read in the Bible isn't sent to people who are outside uh, the flock of God's kids uh, that is written to the inside of saying, hey, here are the things you need to be aware of as you adventure in life with God. And, and so, th but this will affect how we relate to God, how we expect God to do certain things in our lives. And now the good news is, okay, and I know I'm, I'm taking us to a pretty Debbie Downer spot, okay, but, but the good news is we aren't the only people in the modern church that dealt with this dysfunction. In fact, the modern church isn't the only people who have dealt with this. Uh, because, in fact, all the way back into where we're reading in Isaiah 58, uh, there were uh, these people that... that we, we have a people who look very religious and they look very devoted, but they're ignoring these great parts of what God was calling the community of believers to do and to be. 
Uh, he's going to walk right in. In fact, Isaiah is commanded to confront the hypocrisy of God's people with boldness and to clarify uh, the true path to blessing. And, and, and so, in fact, uh, the lead-up, we're going to start in Isaiah 58, verse 6. Uh, but the lead-up, again, it's attacking the hypocrisy of people's actions. That, that again, they, they look very religious. They develop this mindset that if they do these religious things, then God was forced to act on their behalf. God was forced to bless them in one way or another. And when God decided, hey, I'm not catering to those lesser needs, uh, they would hold him in contempt. And they would say, well, this isn't, this isn't fair. And, and what God will say is, hey, you're doing these things while ignoring these other things. And for them, one of the things that they were doing uh, that looked very spiritual is, is in their fasting. Uh, in fact, we'll find out later in the New Testament that they would, uh, at times, you would, when you were fasting, uh, which just means uh, for a majority of people, fasting is just withholding from food uh, to devote your heart and time to a season of prayer. Uh, but, but what we would find is that people would put on ma- certain makeup to make themselves look more um, sickly uh, in their fasting, and therefore it makes them look way more spiritual. Uh, and so, so these people, though, they would fast and they would approach God like, hey, look what I'm doing. You're welcome. Uh, and, and they would expect God to respond to him them in certain ways. And, uh, and, and this isn't the only issue. You could go further back in Isaiah and, and God would talk about the certain kind of offerings uh, that people were bringing to him. And, uh, and so... So God speaks some very difficult words to the people through Isaiah, and he's, he's consistently attacking their pursuits of what we call pseudo-worship. Uh, it, it's worship that looks genuine, but really isn't at all. And, and so, so he's going to attack these offerings that they bring to the altar. He's going to attack the purity of their actions. Uh, and in Isaiah 58, he attacks their motivations in fasting. And, and so, so when the people complain uh, in verse 3, what happens, people start complaining that God's not responding. Uh, they're exposed. And this is a, it's one of the best div- reactions we have, interactions we have with the Word, uh, when we get exposed by it. Uh, and they're exposed, and God says that their fasting is this pursuit for their own pleasures. Uh, that in their fasting, they're actually oppressing people. That they only fast to quarrel and to fight. And God questions the motives of their hearts. And then he brings, in verse 6, a word of correction. And it's valuable uh, to us as we talk about what does it look like to be a church that pursues service outside these walls. So he says this, and we, we can bring it up on the screen. Uh, he says, this is God speaking to them. Is, is not this the fast that I choose? Okay? You've been fasting, but is this not the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Now, hold on. He's like, oh, that sounds a little complicated. I don't know how to do all that. But just wait. He's going to get very simple. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And to bring the homeless poor into your house. And when you see the naked, to cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Not to 
to close your eyes and say, I see a need, but yet it doesn't exist because my eyes are closed. So he gives us these very practical steps of how we serve. And so, so people frequently will ask God, you know, what, what, what does God want to do with my life? In fact, there's, there's books after books after books written on the subject. And, but when I read my Bible and I get to these kind of questions, I find them very satisfied in moments like this. Almost so plainly that, that we wish to ignore them because it calls us into action. That, that the rescue that God provides His people has a direct effect in our treatment of other people. Okay? The way God reacts to us we has, has a direct effect in how we react to other people. He saves us and He gives us great purpose in displaying and declaring His love for mankind. So we are literally the hands and feet of Christ. We, we say, um, so the argument is, is, is someone would say, how, how does He want us to display and declare His love for mankind? And God says, look at the needs of the people around you and meet those needs with purpose. That's it. And you're like, well, that, we need it more complicated so that we cannot do it. <laughs> God, what do you want to do with my life? I want you to meet the needs of the people around you. I want you to serve the people that are around you. Your fasting and your praying and your Bible reading and your attendance at church means very little if you are not actively involved in helping people who are far from God find their life in Christ. So, so look at the actions he prefers than the fast. And not to say that fasting isn't important, because it is. It's an incredibly important discipline uh, for the believer's life. Uh, but, but look at verse 6. We, we play a role in loosening the bonds that, that weigh people down and enslave them. Then look at verse 7, that, that we see needs that we can help meet and we actually meet them. We, we, don't, we don't pray that someone else will provide a meal. We don't pray that someone else will provide a shelter. We don't pray that someone else will provide some clothes. We put food in their bellies. We put shelter over their heads. We put um, clothes on their back. And now here's what happens, because I know, I know the argument, because I have the same argument, is there's times that you read this and you're like, well, that, God, that sounds very extreme to do those things. And I believe God looks at you and He says, that's not extreme, it's biblical. It might, be, it might seem extreme in our world standard. It might seem uh, extreme in, in the way society tends to treat other people. He says, I'm just telling you how to live biblically, which is, by, by the way, the healthiest way to live life. And then what happens in, in verse 8 through 11 is something powerfully beautiful that God gives us a promise for what happens when people are willing to serve the needs of those around them, okay? Listen, listen to what happens here and tell me if this isn't something that you want um, yourself to be known by and then secondly, your church to be known as, all right? So, verse 8. This is, a, this is what we call cause and effect, okay? When you do these things, this will be the result. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. 
If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out, okay, let's not, let's not just read over those words. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord, check out this promise, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. You are constantly being watered so that you are consistently producing. This kind of heart doesn't experience burnout. This kind of heart doesn't look at God and say, I've done enough, I need a break. This is as we walk in the light of this, as we're willing to embrace these things through service, God shows up. And as God shows up, powerful and mighty things happen. That the glory of your Lord will be your rear guard. That's the place you don't look the most. God places a hedge of protection around you. Just, just look at these promises when we are a people of service. Your light shall break forth. Meaning, meaning people will see the difference you are making as light invading the darkness. And I think, I think too often the prayer of the church is that God would, would make us a light in our community when God says, hey, if you'll just go serve the people, light's the byproduct of that. That I'll, I will light you up. There are a couple places in the Bible we see the significance of light and lampstands, and, and there are moments that God says, hey, if, if your heart isn't mine, I'll remove your lampstand. I'll, I'll hide that light. I will remove your influence. And, and there are other places where, where when we step in and we say, God, will you just make us a light in this community? He says, if you will just do the things that I've called you to do, you would be the people that I'm calling you to be. Light doesn't have to be asked for. It happens naturally. It happens naturally. So meeting, meeting needs in your community will put the light of the gospel on display in ways an invitation to a Sunday morning just can't. Can't. But, but we, we don't just shine when we put service into practice. We get to see God move in healing and holiness and see His glory as He's promised His presence when we are willing to step out of those religious actions and put service into action. And I think too often the, the church wants the benefits of life with God um, almost like, like a kid who, we were talking to our teens about this the other night, um, almost, I don't know if you ever did this, I did all the time, uh, right before a test in school, you say, hey God, I know I didn't study at all for this, uh, I know I've slept through half of the classes, um, but if, you, you're like, story of my life, yeah, yeah, uh, but, but if you will just let me have a hundred on this test, that would be super great, you know? And, and there are times that you fail that test, and you're like, well, I guess prayer doesn't work. I guess God isn't real. It's a whole thing. Just, your life just crumbles because you were too lazy to study. And God says, if you, want, if you want certain blessings in my life, you have to put in certain actions into your life. If you want to be a light for me, you have to be willing to actually do things in the darkness 
that requires light. And service is, is, is one of them. And so our danger is, is to find lesser and more convenient ways to, to try to prove our devotion to God while expecting these incredible incredible results. And this is, this is what God is addressing here in, in uh, chapter 58, that these people were fasting and God says, you may be doing that, but I'm calling you to take steps to meeting the needs that you see in your areas. I'm calling you to, to actually do something about that. And, and I think we can fall in the same trap. Maybe it's not fasting for you, but maybe it's, hey God, I'm, I'm showing up on Sundays. Maybe it's I'm, I'm reading my Bible a little each day. I'm listening to Christian radio in the mornings. Not the afternoons, because that's good you know, sports radio time. Um, well, I'm not, yeah. And God, God stands firm, and, and He challenges us in regards to the activity we have in the lives of other people. He fills us with the strength of His Holy Spirit so that we can be poured out for the glory of His name in the lives of other people. And, and so as your pastor, I want to come alongside and I want to challenge you to understand this, but, but here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to take ownership of that in your life because this is a dangerous model. You say, well, he says we need to be a people of service. Well, then where's the sign-up sheet? And I'll give you those four hours on a Saturday afternoon. And that's, that's, not, that's not at all what we're talking about here. And I think this is partly one of the struggles we face in the church, that, that we think of service as an event and not a way of life. That, that I, can beg you, I can beg you to sign up for a service event. I can do that. Uh, I can announce it. I can just keep bringing it in front of your face. And I can even try to sweeten the deal by saying, hey, if you'll show up, we'll give you a free shirt. And if a shirt's not enough, we'll give you breakfast burritos. And if that's not enough, we'll feed you lunch afterwards. We'll take care of your kids. We'll mow your lawn, you know. And it just keeps more and more and more and more. And we begin to think of service as an event, and it's and when really it's not. It's a way of life. And, and now that's not to say we, we don't provide these opportunities for service where, where we gather together and we make a difference on purpose because some of those uh, external partnerships we have here at Merge are important. Um, and we do that. We gather together together and serve uh, because we believe that when we do that, our strength is multiplied and our reach is extended if it was just me on my own. Uh, and so, so we partner with a couple of different organizations. One of them, very local, uh, is Servolution Network, especially during the Good Neighbors program, uh, where we get to go serve some people who just, again, I'm a big fan of this belief that sometimes people just need a soft place to land when life gets hard. Uh, and so, so we partner with them as they serve people in this community for the gospel. We, we partner with an organization here uh, at Merge called Our Father's Children who uh, provide week-long summer camps and weekend retreats for kids who are in the foster care system. And there are a lot of different ways we partner with them, and, but mainly we show up at these places and we get to love on kids with the love of Christ. Uh, every year uh, during Christmas, we partner uh, with the Lions Club and we do our Merge Christmas Kids Adventure uh, because we want to be able to serve the kids in our community because we think all kids should get to open presents during Christmas. Now, that's not the only reason because what we long for is to build relationships with, with these families so that they can, if they are far from God, they can find their life in Jesus through the way that the relationships that we're forming with them. And so, so we combine these forces because when we, when we do, our strength is multiplied, our reach is extended, but service 
is not an event that you sign up for. It's a culture that you foster. Okay? And now here's the great effect. If you want your kids to be good kids who care about meeting the needs of other people, you model that for them. Because when, when service isn't an event, it's a culture. It begins to be a culture in your home. And it begins to be some footsteps that you take with your kids and they get to see the needs of other people. If for only any other reason, you can say, hey, you remember that kid who didn't have what you're complaining that you do have? Yeah? You ever use that? You ever use other, all the time, other, yeah, yeah, amen. This is a place for me. He's speaking my truth. But, but when we become people of service, we can help model for our kids what it looks like to walk in compassion, to, to what it looks like to walk with your eyes open and seeing needs that need to be met and then having the courage to step in and meet those needs. Meet those needs. So let me, let me give you four thoughts very quickly. Um, yeah, very, very quickly. All right? Uh, thought, thoughts about service. All right? Chris, Chris went over three minutes. That's why I'm going to be t- 25 minutes over. Um, so, thoughts about service. Number one, okay? Service should be a genuine expression of a heart changed by the gospel. Service should be a genuine expression of a heart that's changed by the gospel. Galatians chapter 5 puts it this way. For you were called to freedom, freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is being fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, so the gospel brings us this freedom. And what God tells us to do is you use that freedom not for your benefit, but for the pouring yourself out of others. That it would have great effects. And so as we talk about service, here's what that means. Service shouldn't be a grind. Like if you ever, if you ever step in, you're like, oh, God wants me to go serve that person again. There's something wrong right here. There's something wrong right here in your heart because service is simply the response of a heart that has been served by Jesus Christ Himself. It says, this is my privilege to get a walk into this chapter of your life. It is a privilege to be blessed in such a way that I can help meet whatever that need is. So, so you shouldn't have to drum up a desire to serve others or you shouldn't uh, or reluctantly meet the needs. And if that's the case, I'd, I'd, I'd have you question the freedom that you're walking in. I would. And for some of us, the prospect of serving and meeting the needs is it simply reveals in our own spirits our selfishness. That, that we don't want to give up our, our time and our talent and our treasures because our security is in that, not in the gospel. So God consistently says, man, I've blessed you so you can bless others. I've blessed you so that you can step into other people's lives. Number two. All right, we're going to have to move quicker, Chris. We're going to have to move quicker, bro. All right? Service is a way of putting the glory of God on display. Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, 5, 6, and 7, greatest sermon you will ever read, greatest sermon you will ever pay attention to. Uh, Jesus says, you are, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on its stand... Uh, but on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Okay, so here's what he says. In the same way, let your light shine before others. But why? So that they may see your good works. Okay, 
Why is that significant? And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That our service puts on display the glory of God. I love this correlation because we get to see as we walk in service with other people, God says your light breaks forth. It shines bright. And that light becomes a beacon. Because why? Our desire is to help people who are far from God find life in Christ. So your light becomes a beacon, a place of refuge where people go to so that they can find true peace and true joy. Number three, service is a way to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 7, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. What a, we could just spend all week right there. Let each of you not... Uh, look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. You hear that? Are, are we hearing it? Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So, so you can't walk through the Bible, you can't follow the footsteps of Jesus and not come across his willingness to meet the needs of those around him. We could, we could start at the cross. We could start where he lays his life down for the, for the sins of mankind. Right? Or we could just keep walking a little bit further back and we could follow his footsteps that when he walks into a town and he sees people who have great needs, he meets them. He sees people who are hungry and he feeds them. He sees people who are oppressed and he liberates them. He sees people who, who, are, uh, who need healing, and He heals them. And now here's, here's the incredible part. Okay, I don't know if we're ready for this. He gifts us to do those exact same things. Okay? He, he commissions us to go do those same things. That you would feed those who are hungry. You would heal those who are sick. You would liberate those who are oppressed. He says, the same spirit that I walk with, I gift to you to do those things. Number D, I don't know. Uh, service. Service is a way to put the fruit of the Spirit into action. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Not, not the fruits. Okay, We confuse that, and we think fruits meaning um, I can pick and choose which ones I like, you know. Uh, you know, I don't like this fruit, so I don't have to eat that fruit. This is, that's not what's being said here. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no such law. That when we walk with the Spirit, these things will be evident in our lives. So when we serve as a reflection of the freedom of the gospel, following the footsteps of Jesus, we get to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And then we, these genuine acts of service further produce evidence of our salvation. We, we, we get to put into practice things like, like love and joy. And we get to show patience and kindness and gentleness to other people. And it's a reflection of a life being changed and transformed into the image of Christ, which is God's ultimate desire with you. And then the last one. Service is a way to strengthen one another. Service is a way of strengthening 
one another. Hebrews says, let us consider. Okay? So let us, let us spend time thinking about how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now, it's easy to stir up one another in annoyance, right? It's easy to stir up one another in, in anger and in strife and conflict. But he says, he says, let's spend our time looking at one another and saying, hey, how can I stir you up in love and good works? Not in a way of competing for who God will love more, but how can we realize that the time that we have now, that God has brought us into this moment for such a time as this? How, how, can, we, how can we do that? And so when we serve together, we stir one another up. And I think the more we walk together, uh, the deeper our bonds form. And again, like, like we say around here, serving alongside others uh, has a way of multiplying our strength and extending our reach. And, and so, though the body should not have a monopoly on when and how you serve, partnering and journeying together has, has many benefits. That we are stronger and we are braver when we lift together. We are. We are stronger and we are braver when we are together. And just think of, think of the most idiotic things in your life that you've done and tell me, were you alone? No. You're braver to do dumb things when you're with groups of people. So let's, let's get back to our original question. Why, why do we long to serve our city? We, we long to serve our city because we long to help people who are far from God find life in Christ. And so, so the lanes, the lane of that service helps open doors and, and helps hearts um, soften um, in ways that, that are many of our modern methods we, we tend to hide behind. Uh, in today's church, and I think there's there's a line that we we try to uh, I try to keep close to my heart when it comes to the, our steps around here that uh, that that what you win people with is what you win people to. And so so what that means is is if, if here at Merge if if we win people over with attractions, we'll need to keep up the attractions to keep them around. But if we win people over here at Merge, as they see the Father's love uh, and, and His love for them expressed by seeing their need for Jesus, uh, as we serve others, as we serve each other both in word and in deed, we've given them something much more sustaining. Because you don't get tired of that. And I think that this happens both in a, in a corporate setting, but also it's not exclusive to it. That, that service around here is not an event as much as it should be our culture. That we shouldn't have to drum that up. We shouldn't have to guilt each other to serve people. So let me, let me talk to you about, as I said, it's not an event. Let me talk to you about an event. Um, I understand the irony of this. But one of the things we, we want to do around here is give ourselves opportunities. So, so we've, we've decided that 2019, we're going on an experiment. That, that there, are, there are four Sundays out of the year. We call them fifth Sundays, okay? Uh, and so you can check my math on that. I'm almost certain I'm right. Um, our first fifth Sunday is coming up March 31st. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to remove an obstacle from you. Because I get we're busy, right? 
I get you got things going on, and I get when it comes to certain moments in our community that where we can reach out, you say, uh, man, I would love to do that. I'm just so busy. So here's what we decided to do. We want to take church outside this room, inside our community. And so we're going to serve our community. So we're, we're working on two or three different projects where um, give you an opportunity with your family in mind to go and serve. Now this place will be will be here. There will be a group here. Um, so this space will be open for prayer and, and for ministry needs and for fellowship. But by and large, what we're encouraging you to do is say, hey, let's go on an adventure together with our family. And you would be surprised. And this isn't about marketing. You know, we're, in fact, we, I'd rather you not even wear a merged shirt. Uh, that's what we tend to do, right? Like, I'm doing a merged thing. I've got to wear a merged shirt. But what we want to do is give you an avenue to realize what it looks like to simply meet the needs of people around you. And what happens for me when, when in those moments is when I meet the needs here, my eyes become open to the needs out there. And I drive down the road and I see that. And the Holy Spirit says, you can do something about that. Or you can choose to see a need and not meet it. And so, we'll, we'll give you more detail about that, but let's talk about service at a personal level. If, if the desire of merge is to help those who are far from God find life in Jesus, then, then we need to remember that a church is a collection of individuals gathered together. Okay? So the way we, we talk about that here, if you want Merge to be a healthy place, you need to be a healthy person. Okay, That's the way that works. Now, I'm not saying perfect people, because by and large, we are very misfitted around here, right? Like all the ladies are super spiritual and all the guys are super dumb. That's the way it works. But, but a healthy church begins with healthy people. And so that at a personal level, you would begin to do that. And we, we've been saying that for a long time. And here's the challenge or the, where the excuses begin to rise. We, we don't know if our service will be enough. And in your own strength, it isn't. But when it's infused with the power of God, it's a force to be reckoned with. So, so, so here's the arguments that, that we see. We will see a need and we will say, I can't meet that full need. Therefore, I won't try to meet any of that need. Right? I... I, I, I I can't feed all of the hungry. You're right, you can't. But you can feed one. I, I can't replace a whole wardrobe. You can't. I get that. That's fine. But you can replace a coat. I, I can't uh, house someone. You can't, but you can help them find a room for a couple nights. And those simple acts of service say incredible things about the love of God in people's lives. There are times says in the Bible that you would, in your acts of service, would entertain angels without even knowing it. What a privilege that we have to gather together. And so we are a people of service ultimately because Jesus has served us. And now, now we have this privilege of serving a city so that those who don't know Him can find life in Him. That's why we do it. Now, this is going to be very anticlimactic because we're going to leave today and you're going to be like, well, okay. You know? Like it's been like a pep rally and we're all supposed to sprint out in the parking lot saying, yay! You know? That's not it. 
Service isn't an event, it's a culture. And the culture we desire to foster around here is that we serve one another and we serve our city. And I love the model. Because you know what that means? If we can serve our city well, it means we can encourage other churches and other cities to serve their city well. So the way we do it here is we, we serve this school, right? And we serve the people in this, this town. And then we partner with the other churches as they do the same thing. Our desire this week is to love God by... Please stand with me. Apologize, Chris has us running so late today. As we wrap up, let me, let me give you a couple of instructions if you'd like. If you need prayer this morning, we long to pray with you. This is an incredibly powerful place when prayer is active. Maybe you don't have peace. Maybe you don't have life in Christ. We want to give you that opportunity to respond. And then maybe you just need to do spend some time in asking God, open the eyes of my heart to see the needs of those around me. Because here's what I assure you. If you pray that prayer, God will be faithful to opening your eyes. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the life we find in your Son. And I pray you would move us to be people who long to serve. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.